Welcome to Detox with D-Rich, where we talk and learn from inspirational members of our community and beyond. Now, from the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, a man that is more perspiration than inspiration, your host, Derek Richards. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Detox. I am your host, Derek Richards, and hopefully this will be a good detox <coughs> from your day. Uh, we have uh, a good friend of mine, David Meisborn, in the studio today. This is your first. Uh, this is your first podcast. Yeah. Round. Yeah. How do you feel so far? Are you prepared? I'm. I'm anxious uh, for when Joe Rogan shows up. Yeah, he's not showing up. You said he was going to be here. I, I, I said he was going to be here because I wanted to get you in the studio, mm. and uh, but he's not showing up. He's got oh. he's got he's in Austin. Yeah, he got out. He got out of the of the uh, the craziness that's going on in L.A. Yeah, we're going to get super political today, right? Super political. Yeah. Yeah. What can we talk about? I don't know. Anybody that was going to listen, just shut it off, though. <laughs> Trust me. Wait to the end. We talked about abortion. <laughs> and we dive mm, deep into it. So deep. We make a kill list. Easy. Which politicians? No. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We're just going to free flow it today. Yeah. Who are you? Uh, I'm David Meisborn. Yeah. I am, uh, yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm one of the realtors in your office. Do, mm-hmm. do your podcasters know what you do? In, no. No? No. Is it a secret? No. No. <laughs> they just don't care. They just don't care. <laughs> no one's listening, David. It's, that's, that's the great thing. We're, no one's going to listen to this. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Maybe someday our kids will dig it up. Yeah. After we're gone. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what, do, you, what do we say to them? Okay. So so you're dead. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And... and uh, your kids are what in their twenties? Oh God, I hope I live longer <laughs> than that. But you know, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, yeah, one day they they dig around, they find these uh, old episodes somewhere on the web. Right. Uh, well, it, it's going to look a lot different. You know, it's just going to be one one head headset we wear every day. Well, that's e- how we go to work. Well, Elon will have it implanted in us by then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. the screen's going to be in our cortex, our frontal cortex. Yes. So scroll, Alexa, yeah, give me archives of my dad. Right, and then somewhere deep in there is this audio file. Yeah, yeah, and one of my daughters sitting around getting ready to go to bed. Yeah, they're gonna be like, Grandma, what's or Mommy, what's a podcast? But like, I don't know, something your your grandpa did. Yeah, basically, it's just a recording of a conversation. What's what's a (laughs) what's a conversation? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, honey, we used to interact with one another face to face, but uh-huh. we don't do that anymore. Right. Go back to your pod now. Well, this is actually part of that evolution. Like, instead of us individually going out and having conversations with people, we just sit in our cars mm-hmm. and listen to other people have conversations. Yeah, I don't really want to talk other. to Dave or Derek. I just kind of want to listen to what they have to say. Yeah, I want to find somebody more interesting than the people in my life and listen to them talk to each other. Well, you found it. You found it here on Detox, people, the most interesting people on the wor- in the world. Um, but yeah, so, okay, let's, so, what are you saying? What, the, 
this is your moment. It, it, you, you're it's, gone. It's your podcast. Oh, what? I'm no, gone. You're, to your kids. Yeah, yeah. I get, your I get kids to say and your, something to my kids. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, I I probably wasn't as good a dad as I could have been, <laughs> but you know, I tried really hard. Yeah. And I lo- I loved all of you. A bunch. That's good. Um, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't live longer. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's good. I'm trying to think of something more memorable. Like, hey, uh, there's that secret stash of money that I put in the attic. Mm. Yeah. You know how your mom didn't like that football card collection? Well, there's something special in there. Yeah. It's an Emmett Smith rookie card. That's cash that in. Well, you tried to give away your autographed Emmett Smith poster. Well, no, you did give it away. I I had well, it was like a white elephant gift or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then Scott, who got that roll of posters, <laughs> gave them to me. Wait, so you now have the the Emmett Smith poster? When I went through the roll of posters, I. I saw the oh, Emmett did you burn Smith. It? No, no. I gave it to Scott. Oh, good. I don't think he had realized he was giving away an autographed Emmett Smith. Yeah. So I brought that back in and gave it to him. So now that it's Scott's, it's definitely gone. That was a huge part of my childhood. And it's it's interesting how it really didn't bleed over to my adult life, but I guess that makes sense. But I loved so I collected football cards, and yeah. I loved running backs. I loved Emmett Smith. I loved Thurman Thomas, mm-hmm. and I loved Barry Sanders. Everybody loved Barry Sanders, but I was like, I'm going to collect running backs. That was my thing. Bo Jackson was my favorite. Well, the running backs were the heroes of the football field. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. They like they they were the reason the teams went, especially Emmett Smith and. The Dallas Cowboy O line. Absolutely, yeah. When you were on the playground, it was an argument as to you know who was going to be their favorite running back, right? Like, yeah. Your your default was like, well, I guess I'll be Jerry Rice or Joe Montana because Bo Jackson's already taken. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, and I I was I was always like, why is Thurman Thomas the underdog? And I wanted to, I wanted to be his his best friend. Mm-hmm. I wanted to let him know I'll be. Hey, you got a fan, and you're really good. Eric Dickerson. You know that was a few years before. Um, yeah, I didn't. I th- it didn't really hit me. Um, especially his career was pretty short, wasn't it? Yeah, I really don't know that. I just remember his card for some reason. Big glasses. He, yeah, he had, yeah. The, he had the glasses. Totally. That's why you remember the Eric Dickerson card is the glasses. Yeah, I think the legend of Eric Dickerson was bigger than what I have what I actually remember. Yeah. I don't remember him playing at all. I don't either. No, um, it's the same thing for uh, Sweetness. You know. Yeah, I, I don't. Payton, rem- I don't sure. remember watching Walter Payton play. No. Um, OJ Simpson, yeah, I mean, it just, it's hard to, and I, so I, ESPN, you know, just in the 90s, it was really catching on fire. And it was the running backs that would be like, look what Barry Sanders just did. Right. Seven people just missed a tackle. Yes. And he just squeaked through. Yeah. Do you remember the commercial? Um, I, I can't even tell you what it was a commercial for, but it's a Barry Sanders is, 
doing his thing, you know, Barry Sanders being Barry Sanders. He's breaking seven tackles yeah. and six ankles. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the whole thing is like, you know, you did it. I remember the, there's this, you did it. Uh-huh. And it's, you tackled Barry Sanders. So it's like, <laughs> he, he breaks like eight tackles. And then finally, you know, somewhere 70 yards down the line, uh-huh. the last guy ends up like throwing a shoestring tackle. Was this on a Gatorade him. commercial? I don't, I don't remember, remember it. what it was for. I just remember it was like, uh, you know, the, the most difficult thing on the face of the planet is to actually tackle Barry Sanders. Yeah. Uh, was where they were going with the whole thing. But Bo Jackson had the, I mean, just the Nike stuff was, it was just the coolest. Bo knows. Yes. Um, him playing, when he played for the Royals, which was which was fun. But I guess you weren't a Royals fan either. You were a Rockies fan. Well, the Rockies didn't come around until 1994. Okay. Um, so wait, I've so always, they're an expansion team from? Yeah, Baltimore. I, I don't uh, know. I don't. I couldn't answer that question. Mm. But yeah, so largely unaffiliated in baseball. Like, there, I think there's there's like a window in time in your life. Where if a team rises up, they like emotionally imprint on you. Right? Yeah. When you're when you're 12 years old, um, something big will happen and you, you will forever be in love with that moment in time. Right. So right. that will kind of become your team. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have it in baseball. Right. Um, it was later on, you know, I was early high school years when they came around. Then they were never any good. So a baseball team never really imprinted on me emotionally. So I've always been a little bit of a baseball free agent. That's the sport that I can bandwagon on. Have you, have you linked arms with a baseball team? Uh, well, it never lasts. So this is the one sport where I get to hop from storyline to storyline emotionally. So you just enjoy the sport. Yeah. Okay. So when we lived in Philadelphia, the Phillies were on a run, you know? Yeah. Tomei. Yeah. They lost the World Series, and then they won the World Series. Um, so we got to to go on that ride, and then we finished in Philadelphia and came back here. And then shortly after we got back here, the Royals got hot. Yeah. And so we got to go on that ride and enjoy that. And so I'm a bit of a baseball free agent. Well, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm kind of worse. I'm kind of a baseball bandwagon. Like, I just bandwagoned the Royals because I don't know much about the sport. I really don't. Season's too long. I don't know this. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know the strategy of the pitchers. I don't understand, you know, the designated hitter rule. Um, but when the Royals started winning, I was like, oh, I love baseball now. Mm-hmm. And I really do. Like, I found a, 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 a way to find a passion for baseball now. I can actually sit down and watch it, of course, my son plays, which is which just makes it that much more fun. But um, yeah, um, I love I love the Royals, and they are they were starting off pretty good this year, but now they're uh, now they're in the the, the doghouse. Ten in a row. <laughs> yeah, they lost ten in a row. Uh, well, that's one hard. of the things about baseball is all of the subtlety and minutia that makes it great doesn't shine in the regular season. Yeah. We just don't have the attention span to care. Oh, I don't get it. The pace of the game. People ask me to join a f- baseball fantasy league and I'm like, I I have no idea what you're, yeah, guys, I have, you're talking about. I'm sorry, I have a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and I, I have children. Yeah. That 
my wife requires that I engage with. Now, do daily. you do a fantasy football league? I gave it up because because you have a family. Because I have a family. Because you're a good dad. Well, if you, you know, have a fantasy football account, you're a crappy father. <laughs> Unless you're doing it with your children. Yeah, like my like that's what we should do this year. Like my house should do a fantasy football. Yeah. Um, and then it, you could feel like you know it was a little more appropriate, but. Yeah, when I first became a father, um, you know, you have those things in your life that you have time for, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, you have this new thing in your life that takes up so much of your time. I remember the first season or two where I would be just, like, pissed off that I can't sit down and watch a football game. And they're because you know, life's changing. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like you're, you're married and you right. got a screaming baby. Yeah. Babies. You had twins. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was I was actually resentful for a while of like, I can't even sit down and enjoy a football game when I want to. Mm -hmm. And then you have to like wake up and get a little perspective and be like, hey, stupid. <laughs> this is a game. These people don't really care about you. Yeah. And you have children that want to go out in the yard and play. And, you know, you have to go do things and. Like you should probably take a step back and read. But this is what I do. Yeah, yeah. I just want to sit on the couch and not talk to people and watch this game <laughs> because I'm sure that this organization loves me as much as I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that. I believe the more I cheer for the Chiefs, the more they cheer for me. Well, you're lying to yourself. That's okay. That's okay. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. It's a good time to be a Denver, Denver fan. Maybe. 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 Get on that. We're about to be emotionally scarred in a way that we'll never forget. Yeah. K-State will prepare you for that, though. That's, <laughs> you know, you got to have that one fan base that's just like, this This is why I root for that team. Yeah. I yeah, understand so the struggle. K-State is that, um, I married into the K-State fandom. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Didn't go to K-State. Didn't care about K-State growing up. But, but you love the the Bill Snyder legend. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. You know, and such a big part of Manhattan, right? Like the culture of our town is, uh, is built around the university in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. it's like your hometown team. Yeah. I mean, and who doesn't love going to the Bill and tailgating and all of that stuff? Uh, I'm just not the K-State historian. Yeah. Uh, I'm not on chat boards uh, following, you know, the recruits and, and all of that stuff. But love the team. Want to see everybody be successful. Love being around the whole thing. There you know? seems to be a a style of fan probably everywhere. But the, the fan that I don't understand in Manhattan is the fan that like constantly is like critiquing every year's per production to the sense of like they believe like that we're going to play Alabama in in right. the national championship. Right. And we're going to compete at that level. And I've just come to that conclusion in myself. I think it's easier to live life that way. To just go, hey, we might beat Oklahoma every once in a while, or um, hey, let's win a Big Twelve championship. That would be super sweet. Let this decade, let's win a Big Twelve championship. Yeah, I would be super pumped about that. And if my kids are at K State when that when that happens, even better. Like that's something to root for. But the uh, the idea that we put the pressure on these coaches to go, 
you are, you know, you're you're seven and and four or whatever. Yeah. You're not worth it. Well, Derek, if you don't if you don't if you don't think you're the best and you're just not gonna be the best with that attitude, I'm like, I don't come on, man. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, the Big Twelve is the realistic goal, right? Win yeah. the Big Twelve. Um, Look at Oklahoma. Who who they actually have the program to be like we we could catch fire one year and maybe compete. Yep. With o- Ohio State yep. and Alabama and Clemson, but we gotta get real lucky. But we're not we're not that program. Oklahoma eating, beating Alabama is a little bit like us beating Oklahoma in that things have to fall a certain way, right? Like yeah. We have to be in our at our best in a year where they're not quite there, right? Yeah. Um, and you catch, you know, you have a good scheme. Something happened, you know. Big, Yeah, big play goes your way, whatever yep. it is. Turnover. Um, but, yeah, I, I find life is so much more enjoyable because you can lose a game. You can lose a K-State football game and walk home and go and not be thinking, well, the national championship's gone. Like, season's gone. Season's over. I, I don't want to. I don't want to root for this team anymore. It's 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 like there's a lot more to, there's a lot more to cheer for right now. Yeah, go win that Big Twelve championship still. Yeah, and that was hard because uh, when I first started following college football, that was kind of a one of the things that was hard for me to adjust to is because you know I'd always been a big NFL guy, and when you're a Broncos fan mm-hmm. and you're an NFL fan, you. You like that? Thank you. That hurt you. I know. Yeah, I I didn't really. I pressed the wrong button. Oh, (laughs) there we go. That's that's better. That's better. Um, But your your expectation is that you know you're you're playing for the whole thing, right? Oh, and that must be nice. And um, well, you're that's where you're at now. We're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. We just uh, Bill. uh, called me yesterday is like let's get let's go watch a k-state uh, let's go watch a chiefs game this year and then the tickets went on sale yesterday and it's like nosebleed section like you can barely pick out andy reed from the sidelines yes which is yet to be pretty far away for that to happen and uh (laughs) they're two hundred dollars a piece yeah it's crazy well and that fan base at the stadium I don't want to speak ill of, and, and I'm not. This is not just a Chiefs thing. No, it's an NFL. It's thing. It's an NFL thing. Yes. It. Listen. Go to college games. <laughs> yeah. Love the crowd at college games. Yeah, you, you can know. make it home at somewhat of a decent time. Yeah. Watch the NFL on TV. Yeah, NFL is just it's such a it's such a commitment. I mean, you think buying a boat's a commitment? Like to have to be a season pass holder for an NFL team. You're talking about the pageantry of like the the two hour tailgate. Well, yeah, you can do the same thing for K State, but NFL is just on a different scale. Plus, the parking, yep, is what 80, 80 bucks or something like that just to get a parking spot. Yeah, you can get your whole family in into the bill for what it costs you to park at an NFL stadium. Yeah, you're dropping you're dropping a a grand per game. Yeah, if you're if you're really trying to do it right with food and bring your entire family and and you know uh what's always amazing to me is you go 
you're walking through these tailgates, you see in all of these people that have season tickets and most of them, I'm just looking like this is the most expensive thing in your life. Well, it's, it has in many ways, it's, it's, it's the idol. It's the church of many people. I mean, this is what we do on Sundays. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, We don't go to church anymore. I was, you know, my parents believed, but like, I believe in the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I believe in uh, Patrick Mahomes. This well, is what I worship. Yeah. And it's not hard because all the Chiefs crap is everywhere in my at how in my house and Yeah. We've all seen those basements, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you get those listing photos where you're like eh, rolling through the house, and then all of a sudden the basement comes. Yeah, and it's just like whoa, whoa. <laughs> Someone is- maybe had a few too many to drink and went went on an auction website. This guy's deep in it. <laughs> yeah, gotta have that. Where do you even find carpet that has mm-hmm. yeah, that has an arrowhead? Got that in a repeating that Derek pattern. Thomas autographed jersey. Yeah, framed. Deep into it, mm-hmm. Lynn Dawson. This is a handkerchief that Lynn Dawson once blew his nose in. Right. You have uh, even like the stuff from the liquor store. You know, like the <laughs> the got, chief the, the chief alcohol bottles. Exactly the <laughs> the John Gruden bobblehead that's six foot tall for Corona standing over in the corner. Uh, yeah, that is a that's a that was a thirty pack that we we crushed uh, back in uh, 08. Uh, it had a chief. It had a chief logo. Those were chief beers, right? So we had to keep the. Yeah. We had to keep the box. Does uh, Does your son have the Patrick Mahomes uh, cereal boxes lining one wall in his room? No, uh, but it almost creeped in. It almost creeped into our. I mean, we saw them in the in um, at the at the the grocery store, and we're like, oh, this is this is where it starts, right? Yeah. And it's like a numbered edition thing. It's like this photo is one of 15. Yeah. And if you get all the boxes and put them together on your wall, Mm -hmm. you actually get a gigantic fat head poster of your favorite player. Right. No, we're not there yet. And it's, and I had that stuff when I was young because I mean, I was a collector and it's, this is sad. It's still in my basement at my house right now in a box. Because I can't throw that away. Well, a little. It piece meant of so. It. it meant so much to me at the time. Like I got this thing, of this thing that I like, and it's mine. You I, can't really own much when you're a child. So you just when you own those things, it's like this is mine. Yeah. This is what I got. Yeah. So you have a little emotion wrapped up in that item. Mm-hmm. And do you do you visit these items? Uh, no, I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to because I think the responsible Derek come will come out and be like, "Okay, you took three years to open this box up and revisit this moment again. Are you going to actually do the thing that you know you should do, which is purge and throw this away or give it give it somewhere?" Whereas the other Derek, that's like, "I know where that box is. It's fine. It's gonna be." It's going to be worth so much money mm-hmm. in 20 years. Someday. Yeah. My, well, my, you're not going to sell it. Well, no, no, no. There was, we had a garage sale one time and um, 
because my wife hates my the, the it's one thing about my wife she hates she hates that i hate my card collection these collectibles these lot i have a lot of boxes so you know it, it's warranted but anyway she's uh she we're having a garage sale out in front of her house and some guy comes up and he's like where's the where's the football cards and my wife's like oh you want you want to buy some football cards? Come with me. <laughs> and I find this this dude like in the basement, like like checking out the cards. And I'm like, "Whoa, bro! Like, who? How did? First of all, how'd you get down here? Yeah. And why are you touching my stuff? Right. And then he starts giving me like an actual offer on my cards, and I was just like, "Get out!" Like, I, in my my brain, I was like. I will never, ever sell my stuff. I mean, he could have just gave me a really reasonable number. Sure. Yeah. He didn't. You know, he was like, I'll give you a couple hundred dollars for these things. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Get out of my house. Get out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. I walked into um, a listing a few years ago and it was a split level. So you walk into that little landing, right? At the front door. Yeah staircase and then garage door right to the right. We go, I open the garage door. I'm not sure 10,000 is a big enough number because the, Wait, which, you know, which listing was this? Cause it might've been my client. Well, I don't, I don't know that we want to talk about that, but uh, I mean, I can tell you, I could drive you to the house right now, but I don't remember the name of the street. Okay. But you know, those white boxes uh, Yep. that you saw at every card shop when you were a yeah. kid. And it has like four rows and it's yeah, full. Yeah. Yeah. Floor to ceiling, wall to wall. It's my client. Walkway paths <laughs> around the inside of this garage. You know, I mean, it's deep. Yeah. Just cards, 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 cards. It looked like this guy, like seven card shops had closed down and he got it all at liquidation. And it was Well, just, that's what's going on. That is actually what's going on right now. Like for collectors, it's, you can't find a... You can't find a shop to, you know, back in the day, you'd go to shops and every town there was a card shop. Yeah. Three or four of them. You'd ha- you just open the yellow pages and you'd be able to like go. This That's what we did. Yeah. We would We would go, you know, maybe some dad, some kids had their dad show them classic cars. My, my dad, we just, we went to card, card shops, but there, there's no value to them anymore. Right. So they're just all on eBay and you just get truckloads. Of, of this cardboard paper that has people's faces on it. It's yeah. so cheap right now. Why is that? What what do you think the collector thinks that that is is it a is it too bold to say it's an addiction? No, I, I think for some people it certainly is an addiction, but I mean the reason that the value is not there anymore is because they flooded the market, right? Right. We well we know that, but I'm just saying just the any collection, when's it ever enough, right? Yeah. Well, I'd be interested to listen to your wife talk about the <laughs> the psychology of <laughs> of the collection because at a certain point, um, well, we have to start asking the question, like, you know, what are you, mm, what are you trying to accomplish with this? I what love this? that thing. What? Don't yeah. throw that away. Well, you start talking about like you're emotional about it, right? And yeah. you look at it as like a piece of your childhood and, and I, I get there's a nostalgia, right? Um, but 
how do you how do you manage that? Like you don't need every baseball card that was ever made when no. you were a child no. in order to be nostalgic about baseball cards. So here's the plan for me. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we know we're in the sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> I've never said these words. <laughs> these thoughts have not hit the light of day yet. It's maybe it's not that crazy. My, my plan is I want to put my card collection in the attic of my house, which I just recently got some decking put in the attic so like I can actually store stuff up there. Yeah. I just want them to get them out of sight, but know that they're somewhere just in case I ever want to dive into the collection. That makes way more sense to me than to just throw them away because I still can have them. I don't know if this is a rational thought. That's not nearly as crazy as what I thought you could have said. I mean, that just. But if my like, wife was sitting here, she would be like, you're crazy. Like, just get rid of them. What? I'm worried about them in the basement right now, basically. I don't think the temperature's humidity. right. Yes, I don't think the temperature's right. Yeah. I think How it, long have they been down there? <laughs> 10 years. Okay. Yeah, I know. I need to do it. You want, it's, okay, even worse. So in front of me is my, my to-do list, right? Yep. And I actually have organized card collection. It's been on my to-do list for years. For years. For, for years. And you just can't get to it. I can't. There's always something yeah, there's always a, a better plan in front of me, you know. How many cards are we talking about? Well, I mean, to a serious card collector, you don't talk about how many cards. Okay, well, let's just like for, cubic feet. Like well, that's how we. That's probably what we're talking about. Right. Le, we're yes, I'm talking about like logistically how how many shoe boxes. No, we're probably talking about three. If you took three, like took a large gun safe. Okay. And you stacked three side by side. Mm -hmm. I probably could fit the the entire collection there. Yeah. Okay. And that would be whittling it down because I have memorabilia that doesn't fit like within a box. It's like, you know, it's a helmet or it's a starting lineup. Those things don't stack very well. Um, yeah, if there's anybody out there that knows how to help people like me, um, I might just need a... A nudge. I need to do this. Pro I need to pay someone to do this process with me. That's. I think that's the solution. I feel like I need to be that hoarder lady in the front lawn. Right. Like there's a keep pile and a throwaway pile, and like mm -hmm. someone's got to keep me from like, you know, keeping all the dead skeletons, cats that that I still want to hold on to. Yeah. With the jars of pee, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not my my pee. It's Emmett Smith's pee, and I you know you got to keep it because it's limited edition. And That's what, uh, he sprinkled it on this card. And yeah, uh, do you remember? Uh, and maybe this still happens. I don't know, but they had the they they made the cards that had like a little piece of jersey. Oh, they still do that. Yeah. Like that's, so the card, have you seen the card collections now? No. So that's, that's all it is right now. So like it is very limited. They understood that the value of collecting cards went way down when they just mass produced it. So now it's like, if you want to get a pack of cards, I'm not joking. It's like 30 bucks. It's, it might even more that might be 50 bucks, but every pack has the opportunity of like getting a piece of Jersey or like 
a sliver of uh, Hosmer's bat or something like that. Like they all, it every sport has gone in that direction: hockey, baseball, football. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of neat. I mean, that that makes it a little bit more. Yeah. Exciting. You can get a, a half inch by half inch square of Tyreek Hill's receiver gloves. Yeah. Uh, with your card. Right. So cool. Anyways, that was fun. We, we I think we beat that dead horse. Yeah. Yeah. We need to hire a professional to help you uh, manage your. <laughs> no, we'll your just card put this collection. off next time. We'll just come back. We'll yeah, circle. We'll circle back. List. Yeah. We'll circle. Yeah. I'll I'll put it on my to do list. It's on the list. If it's on the to do list, it'll get done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about your to-do list. What's on your to-do list? A database. <laughs> that's that's my card collection thing. Is, is the database? Right? <sighs> Why are you in real estate? Why did this? How did this evolution come to real estate for you? Um. Well, it's it's a couple of things, right? Um, if you think back at like the job history, which you're in the service industry, yeah. Yeah, it was started out with like restaurants and stuff in college. Um, so service oriented, mm-hmm. very social, right? Um, and then I always had the interest in real estate. You know, I liked uh, houses. Thought about going to school for architecture at one point in time, mm-hmm. right? So I've always had an interest. In well, you're very talented at like floor plans and like seeing what could be in a property. Right. That's uh, everybody in the office has always, we got to get Dave in here. Dave will figure this problem out. Like there's a problem with this house that doesn't flow right. Yeah. Yeah. I seem to, I, I don't know. I have some inherent connection to understanding spaces and how, how they, how they function, how they, you know, uh, work for the way we live our lives. And so I have that. That seems to come pretty natural to me. Oh, yeah. I have this um, desire to be social. Yeah. And and real estate is a platform that lets me be all of those things. Mm-hmm. Because when I was looking at getting into architecture, uh, I had the twins, right? And now I'm looking at a five-year, highly intensive program at school. Yeah. Starting all over again. Um, only to get out and be looking at starting salaries of $40,000 and just thinking like this ship has sailed. It's too late in life for me to start going down this path. Yeah. So what is the, what is another way that I can, you know, scratch all of these itches between, you know, serving people, uh, being creative and being connected to property. But did you think about the, the the reality that you're going to become an entrepreneur like you're going to start your own business like becoming an architect like right you're going to get hired by some firm you're going to become an employee like did you think about that idea of like am, like the risk you're taking with just starting your own business with becoming a real estate agent no and i think that's something that a lot of people when they first get into real estate maybe don't completely have their mind wrapped around is the fact that like we all exist under some umbrella you know for us it's alliance realty mm-hmm. or you know coldwell or era or whoever it is that you end up hanging your license with but when you get right down to the way the industry works we're all our own small businesses right sure yeah um, but you know, you're walking into, I don't know what the income is for this year. 
which is a little, which is organic and yes, and um, I don't know. I just I I say that because I guess I'm curious about. I think for some people it's very hard to shift to that mindset. Sure, it's yeah. it's it can be very scary. It can be, and it has a lot to do with um, how you handle your own personal finances, right? How much risk can you actually tolerate if you're in a situation where um, you are paycheck to paycheck, then having somebody tell you that, you know, next year you could make three times what you make right now doing this job, but it might take you three months before you get the first piece of that pie. Yeah. You know, most people would look at that and just say, well, I can't do that, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's... But you can, and you have. Well, I mean, I I, I married up. Um, yes. You know, my, my wife... A very is, talented wife. Very talented, very intelligent wife who, who does well, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you take that and don't put too much overhead on your life in terms of payments and bills and stuff like that, we were in a situation where we could take a little risk. So. There he is. Yeah. Real estate made sense. Real estate ended up working out, and I'm very happy that it has worked out. Me too. Um, Me too. Aside from enjoying the work itself, it allows us a lot of flexibility to have balance as a family. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we need to kind of discuss is you're, I think you're a very active father, which is, I think is a really cool thing. Um, really admirable. Um, let's talk about that. What is it? What does a day look like for, for David? What is, what is kind of your, your average routine of being a dad, real estate agent, well, the supportive the, husband, the quiet part of my day is usually the work part. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause you have four kids, four kids. So they all wake up at the same time. And they come out dressed, well, ready to go to school. We start waking them up at the same time. <laughs> they each have their own rhythm, right? <laughs> like Griffin is usually out of bed before I am. Okay. Um, and he's in the driveway playing basketball or, or something. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's the easiest one by far. Um, Emery, my middle child, is pretty easy. I go down, turn some music on her room give her a kiss on the forehead and tell her it's time to wake up. And I know that 15 minutes from now, she's going to show up upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, Marin used to be just absolutely terrible, like banging trash cans together and <laughs> flipping mattresses over after I've been into a room six times, you know? <laughs> uh, but now I can go down there and wake her up and, you know, she won't emerge for a while, <laughs> but I feel better now that she is actually moving in the right direction. It's only rarely do I go down there to find her still asleep in her bed. Are the kids making their own breakfast, or are you usually chef in the morning? No, they kind of fend for themselves in the morning. I, I almost always make myself eggs in the morning, and so there's always an offer out there of like, I'm making eggs. Do you want me to make you an egg while mm-hmm. I'm at it? Right. And Griffin will take me up on that sometimes, but the other kids pretty much just fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you, you set them off to school and then you go to work. Yep. But then it's pickup time. That is the thing that just continues to astonish me is the, how fast eight o'clock to four o'clock go. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. you better hit the door and if you've got things to do, you better get them done because before you know it, it is pickup time, right? Pickup time straight to sports. Usually you got four athletes on, on your, on the, the, in the family right now. Right. Five athletes. Amy does volleyball, right? Amy does volleyball. Are you doing softball? I, I am a sub for a softball team. Okay. All right. So I occasionally get to go play softball, which it works just fine. But I'm a, I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. Right. So like last night, four kids, four teams, four different directions. Wow. So um, we are the family now that kind of has to rely on some other team families sometimes mm-hmm. um, for tournaments and things like that because we can only split ourselves in so many different directions. So occasionally Marin has to go with a family yeah. to, to a tournament. Oh, sure. Um, and same thing for practice pickups and drop-offs. You know, we take turns with other families as who's doing pickup and drop-offs. But because I'm Emery's coach, I'm always headed in the same direction as Emery. Right? Mm-hmm. And Griffin's team fortunately practices the same nights at the same complex. So I can usually take him with me too. And he goes off to his team and I focus on Emery's team. And then, but do you feel like you're in the car a lot is pickup? Did you feel like pickup is part of your, a lot of your life daily? Yeah. Well, I mean certain weekends for sure. Like last weekend I drove, got up, took Griffin to Abilene, watched three games in Abilene, came back here, uh, packed a, suitcase drove to Topeka watched Peyton play two games in Topeka wow immediately drove to Kansas City checked into a hotel room got up the next morning and watched <laughs> Marin play right there, uh, there it is there it is that's that's what I was talking about yeah so yeah. but it's this time of year specifically yeah it's crazy it's the spring right mm-hmm. because everybody's playing ball um as we move into midsummer and then into the fall sports, it's a lot less. You know, I remember when Will was getting into kind of competitive baseball, and I remember going, I am not, like I was really like, I was, you know, stick, stick, putting a flag in the sand, just going, I will not be that parent <laughs> that is like, I am going to, you know, shuffle my kid all over the gr- God's green earth. And, you know, traveling parents are just weird. And like, you know, they're just putting all their identity into their kids and then i'm like this is really fun like i was like now i love it i'm like let's go let's go play competitive baseball in kansas city again this is really fun and what i realize is what else am i going to be doing with my time that's what it comes like oh am i really am i really just like giving up you know lazy saturdays on the couch watching the same movie that i love watching over and over again yeah i think i can spend time with my kids and, and cheer them on it's all going to be over pretty quickly. That's right. Well, we were talking about it just this morning. We've That's got right. middle schoolers on our hands after today. You've had a middle schooler, yeah. but now you're about to have two in middle school. And then you start talking. They're going to be driving soon. Yep. They're going to be thinking about college soon. Yep. Um, you know, Will, I have five more summers with him. That's it's, uh, That's tough. That is a tough way to think about it, you mm-hmm. know, and then immediately when you think about that, um, I don't know how it goes for you, but there's a certain amount of regret. Like, what the hell did I do? Did with, I do enough? With the last five yeah. summers, right? Right. Um, 
and it's easy to get stuck in that as a parent, you know, like I didn't do enough. I wish we would have done this. Why didn't we, you know, go to Europe or whatever it is that you want to tag as your regret. But I try to think back to my childhood and it's easier to give yourself grace because like we never did anything extravagant when I was a kid growing Mm -hmm. up, you know, um, our vacations were a three hour drive to grandma and grandpa's house in Fort Collins. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't remember. And else I don't remember the bulk of my childhood, you know, you were glimpses and everything. So yeah, it's not like it's going to be a, a a movie that we're just going to be able to review. Right. Or these kids are just going to look back going, I think you have more of a sense of what your childhood was. It's it's more of a feeling. Right. 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 And I don't think we can even begin to um, decide what of all of this that we're going through now our kids are going to latch on to emotionally or or what what they're going to remember, what they're going to care about. That's one thing I Let's just be confident we're just going to screw it up. How about that? In some way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In some way or another, we're screwing our kids up. We won't know until 20 years from now, you know. Because uh, you and I were latchkey kids, right? Like, what's uh, that? Uh, came home to an empty house. Latchkey. Oh, Ma- mom and dad were both working. We came home to empty yep. houses. We had a lot of freedom. Yep. Um, Except for my brother beating me up every day. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Bill. You did. Yeah. Kind of pissed me off. So I remember um, my sister and I getting ourselves out the door in the morning because mom and dad were already at work mm-hmm. and walking to school, which I grew up in a very small town. Yeah. You know, um, not a big deal. But by the time I was Emery's age, so by the you know, by the time I was in third or fourth grade, this was a regular thing. Get up, get yourself dressed, get yourself to school. And then you come home to an empty house as well because mom and dad aren't off work for another two and a half hours. Right. And so you kind of have that freedom, like what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Um with yeah. your time. And that's the way it was where it's not the way it is for our kids now, right? We deliver them to the school. I'm there to pick them up after school and then I'm coordinating their events and everything. Uh, So in what way are we damaging our kids? It's probably going to have something to do with like an inability for them to, uh, you know, build out their own schedules, be responsible for getting themselves places. We already have all of these parents in our lives talking about how their kids don't want to drive. That's the the fragility uh, problem that I keep running into is like uh, the coddling of the American mind and talks a lot about the uh, the social pressure of parents to look and act like they're perfect or look and act like they have are responsible and know where their children are and um, understand their children's lives so deeply that they, they know every moment. And the problem with that is, is like, that's not good because then we're not allowing them to decide how to handle tough situations, um, how to navigate through maybe possible dangerous situations and find out that they're going to be okay. Um, being able to just walk to a grocery store by themselves, order something. Yeah. Walk home. Yep. That seems pretty foreign nowadays right and the the book talks about this is the coddling of the american mind um talks about it's not even about the actual danger of your child that what we're afraid of we're really afraid of other people seeing our child not being chaperoned and how does that reflect on us exactly it's yeah it's not even we're not even talking about the actual problem we're talking about 
the perception of how we look, which is something that I think we should push up against and not care so much about. Yeah. Well, I'm going to just talk about the the way I see this in my house, and I hope that my wife doesn't get too mad at me for it. But again, it, no one's listening to this, so that's it's, it's fine. That's true. She'll even if she does, she'll never get this far. Amy, into you're, it. you'll be fine. <laughs> but it's a. Uh, do you have a coat or you're wearing shorts today? Have you listened to the weather? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so oh, yeah. there's this huge tension point as we're about to walk out the door over a wardrobe choice or a lack of. Oh, of, Chacos. It, it's snowing outside. Right. No socks. Yeah. But I am of the opinion that there is a natural consequence in the choice that they made. And if they make a bad one today, maybe they'll make a better one tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you'll, my wife will say, I'm not going to be the parent that dropped my kid off at school without a coat when it was cold outside today. And yeah. it's like, okay, so it's not really about making sure the kid is warm. It's about you don't want anybody to think that you're irresponsible enough to drop your kid off without a coat. Yes. Yes. And Amy, you're not the only one guilty of this. We're we, all, all we all do it in our own way in, in some sort of fashion. Right. We, we all have our own... Um, idea of how we want our child to look. And um, that usually is a reflection just on us. So it's it's not really fair because it's not the, even the child's choice of what they want to be perceived as. It's our perception for them. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's just, it's, so I think back to kind of what your point was is like, are they just going to remember the, the feel of their childhood. Are yeah. they going to remember that mom and dad loved us? Mom and dad cared about us. We fought with mom and dad, but ultimately they they gave a crap. Yeah. And I can still... The, yeah, the thing that I hope for with my kids is um, that I actually am creating relational equity in their life that I can bank on later down the road that they go you know what, mom and dad are really going to help me out with these really tough, tough things. And I can go to them. And that's what I kind of hope for. And it's, the, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. You hope, you hope that that, that relational equity is, is going to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I try to, you know, I think about when I'm, I think about my childhood, um, I, I remember it fondly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the further from it I get, the more fondly I can remember it, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I can remember being early out of high school and I had, you know, some things that I was probably angry about, uh, not necessarily with my parents, but just like uh, the way things were at school or something like that. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it it's pretty evident when you think about the fact that I distanced myself from from that place as quickly as I did. And so I left the town that I graduated from high school the morning after I graduated high school and I've never lived there since, you know, I was just at a point where I couldn't get out of that place any faster uh, than I did. And I, I, it took me a long time before I could go back there without being reluctant about going back there, Hmm. you know, um, but when I think about my childhood now, I largely think of it, uh, fondly and it's interesting because my mom has like these things that she expects me to remember about my childhood. 
but they're not the things that I remember about my childhood. Like I have my own things. Yeah. They're just not the same things that she thinks I should remember. Sure. Sure. And a lot of that is probably latchkey related because I had so much time where she wasn't around. Like I was making my own memories. I was doing my own things that she was completely oblivious to. Uh, because she was off working. Oh yeah, I, I've heard my folks or you know my mom say things like, you know, you'll make a comment just about your childhood, like just a reflection, and maybe it's a critique, like, hey, I remember this about my childhood, and this is what I remember. And the 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 next response is, well, don't you didn't you feel like you were supported, or do you, well, you think we did a bad job? It's like, well, no, 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 no. Of course, like, yes, ninety five percent of my childhood is full of happy memories and support and I'm here today and I'm able to be what I am because of you mom and dad. But just like I'm realistic, my kids are going to say the same thing. Sure. In 10 years, they're yeah. going to they're going to look back at their childhood and be like, "Dad, remember when you were not really emotionally available for me?" And I'll be like, "Yep, staring at your phone." Yep. And then I'll say, "What, you think you had a bad childhood or something?" <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And we'll we'll get all bristly and bitter about it. Yeah, yeah. listen to this podcast. <laughs> Let me sit you down. <laughs> this will sum it up. When uh, I when I think about what life was like when I was a kid, it's it's I'm I'm nostalgic about it, but it was so much different, right? Like uh there's a couple things that I key in on like immediately is like the things that I was allowed to watch on t- TV that I would not let my children watch now. Like we, when you yes. watched a movie, like everybody watched the movie, right? So yes. Like I saw Pet Cemetery and Jaws and uh, Best the, Little Whorehouse in Texas, The Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, yes. where it's like, oh, this has horrible content. Porkies and Porkies and weird House. science. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I. Trust me, we can keep going. I had a big Betamax collection, so <laughs> I, I had it at my fingertips. Uh, my my grandfather had a subscription to Playboy magazine for years, uh-huh. years, right? And it the, it lived on. So, were you the friend that had the Playboys that all the other friends had to go through to get one? Or well, there's a really great story here because my grandpa <laughs> um, was very much like a Bob Vila kind of character. Like he had the wood, the workshop where he uh-huh. could make anything. Whittle tools. He had the collection of Popular Mechanics magazines in the workshop. <laughs> But he also had the the full collection of Playboys that lived in one closet in the basement. And did the closet did it did it glow when you opened it up? A like, little bit. It was like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction when yeah, you cracked it open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm about ready to see something that I'm not supposed to be seeing. But my grandpa was very like an organized guy, and he always like did the he recycled way before people were recycling, and so in, ah. in our hometown. There was was he a liberal? Was a he a rec- progressive liberal? <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there was a recycling center where you would. There was just basically a building somebody had donated, yep. and it had things sorted up into different sections. And when it got full, the recycling they they, they would come from another town and load it all up and take it away. Yeah, right? and throw we, it in the dump. Exactly, but but it made you feel good. Uh, Middle aged me, this little 
wolf pack of kids that I went to school with, we'd ride around because we're latchkey kids. Mom and dad aren't home. So we're riding around town on our mountain bikes, yeah. uh, just getting into trouble here and there. And one of the things that we would do is we would go to the recycling center because you could smash glass bottles against the wall inside yeah. the recycling center. Yeah. So we're at the recycling center one day and all of a the sudden there's a big stack of magazines and newspapers and stuff to be recycled. And my, and my friend Seth has like this eureka moment like, oh my God, you have to get over here. It's a Playboy collection has been delivered to the recycling center <gasps> for recycling. So we smuggle backpacks. That was going to get shredded? Yeah. Yeah. It was just bundled up and set off to the side. So a bunch of middle-aged <laughs> kids, you know, boys have found this mountain of Playboys. And so it's a matter of uh, loading up our backpacks with Playboys. And what we did is we hid them around town. I remember we stuck them inside of like Walmart bags so they wouldn't get wet and we stashed them all over town and then we would <laughs> deal them to other kids at school, you know. Wow, you so this started your enterprise of uh, like porn peddling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a we had like a, a five month period in our life where we were porn peddlers. Um but I later, Were there kids at school itching? Like, I got I to gotta talk to David today. I got to get another. Well, later on. Got to get another volume. <laughs> I put together that that was my grandpa's Playboy collection. Your we, grandpa was purging, huh? He had recycled. Did he purge because he found out that you were finding these? No, they moved houses. And he was just saying goodbye. It, it was just time to, to downsize, right? They moved into a slab house. Uh, Did you hear the sound of taps playing when when <laughs> it was years before I finally put together that our Eureka Playboy stash had to have been my grandpa's because he's the only man on the planet who had been like, well, I can't just throw these away. They better get recycled. That's the right thing to do. Wow. <laughs> wow. And how and and how much money did you make off that enough uh, enough to buy some soda and some pop rocks? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. How do we get on the porn story? Oh, our kids. Yeah, yeah ch our childhood. We were talking about childhoods. So yep. That's definitely not on the list of memories that my mom expects me to have that I remember. Yeah. Um, but we were also talking about what life was like when we were kids and how it's different now. Yeah. Well, how it's different now is those damn screens that are in their hand. Yep. And the the thing that I don't understand is, you know, the... Every kid in our school system has an iPad right now. Right. And even Will goes, Dad, if I want to show, because we, you know, we try to be fairly open in our household about like, hey, bad photos, this is harmful. Um, you know, you got to be careful about, you know, what you see. And, you know, it can have some residual effects down the road about how you think of that category, how you think of sex and like what it's, what it's meant for and um and anyway so but just one day he's like dad if you don't want us if i don't because I, I was i grabbed his ipad and i was like let me just check this thing out let me just look at the history and just see how to, how this thing works and he's like dad if you don't want to see something i'll just click this button right here and you'll never see it and i'm like oh okay so every kid in our school system has a you know incognito window on their ipad to be clearly affected and get whatever pornography that they want to have access to it's it's scary yep but let's not be naive and think that it's oh but it's not happening because they're good kids it's like bs like boys like or you know curious yep 
have a couple hours in, or they're in their room. They have total exclusivity to the world of the world wide web. Yeah. The world wide web makes my grandpa's porn collection. Right. Uh, yeah. His, his stack of playboys. Um, R- right. Yeah. And the amount of, the amount of people interested in your child seeing something, the amount of technology that is interested in getting you fixed on looking at these things, TikTok, yep. social media, YouTube. I mean, it's, it's, it's super scary. So anyways, that's, that's probably for another time. Cause I, I think that's a, that's a really important subject that we could kind of dive down last, last part, Dave. So, and I think we can give a little bit of a pause for it is one thing that I truly enjoy working with you and have noticed a really big talent in you is you are able to empathize with people at a very, very deep level with clients, with just situations. I'm usually on the other end trying to justify and argue the principles and find like the, the, the laws that have been broken Whereas you're really good at connecting with people, how is that possible, or or how or do you even recognize that? Um, do you recognize you're doing that? I've become more aware of it in the last uh, couple of years of my life than I have ever had been before. Because um, I think it's a really good talent that you have. I yeah I'm grateful for it. Um, sometimes it's a little burden burdensome. Mm-hmm. Like um, sometimes I wish <laughs> that it, that it wasn't quite there. That but, you didn't feel so deeply. <laughs> well, I mean, I just uh, I don't know. I it's uh, I don't know how to. It's just kind of who I am. So I don't really know how to how to articulate it quite well. But I do find I I notice it in myself when I, I see a lack of it in other people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, you know, if there's me and someone else are looking at a, a, a problem together, um, I will notice that that is a perspective that I, I take to a situation that maybe the other person doesn't. Sure. Um, yeah, you kind of wonder why, why is that person reacting that way to this situation that I see completely at a, at a responsible level, or maybe not a, not a reason to get all wound up about, um, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty cool skill to have and to be lucky to be able to empathize in that sort of way. Yeah, I think it definitely makes, you know, I'm like I said I'm glad that I have it. I, I think I'm probably better off with it than without it as you know, Oh yeah, just for a, sure. a human being walking around the world um being able I think you to, should lean more into it. I think it's a great I think it's a good thing to have. I think it's a thing that most people do, you know, struggle with trying to do, which is just empathize with one another to be responsible and wanting to um connect deeply with other people and, and how they're feeling. Um, yeah, that's all I kind of wanted to say. I just, I really am. I, for, for anybody who is listening to this podcast and got to this point, you should, you should, when you meet David Meisborn, you will meet a man who actually cares genuinely and deeply, not because his, he wants his pockets to get fatter, but because he actually, I think sees life brighter when people are just being kind 
and uh, enjoying one another. So thanks for coming on this podcast, Dave. Thank you. Let's do it again. Absolutely. This is kind of fun. We need a... Um we need to have some fun. We need to get Sean in here, and we need to do like a, a Chiefs Broncos, like an AFC West uh, podcast. Okay, yeah. Let's just, just uh, some- let's just hope that we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers being on the Denver Broncos and Deshaun Watson on the uh, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> and, and we need to find a Raiders fan here in the community. Though. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Um, just kidding. They're probably everywhere. Just like Yankees fans. It's the Chargers fan we won't be able to find because they don't even have fans in in Los Angeles. That's true. That's right. We'll find a Raiders fan. Uh, All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Detox. And uh, get back to your work week.